Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grown Up Girls Report Book Club. I hope you are all doing well and have had a great week. Today, we are going to be talking about a book that's just quite simply warmed everyone's heart. Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman. And I'm here with my beautiful friend, my very smart friend, Julie Collard, a.k.a. Jules. Hello, darling friend. Hello, how are you? Yeah, we're, we're, we're good. We're all good. We, me, me, myself and I, we're all good. <laughs> uh, now, now, Jules, and actually, look, I'm, I'm just going to preempt this, Jules, and I just think before we get into the, the book, yes. we should tell everyone about what we were talking about before we press record. We were too, she's looking at me with big eyes. <laughs> Which, Alex, what are you going to say? <laughs> Which bit? We're going to talk quickly about our favourite Instagram purchases of the week. Oh, okay. <laughs> So I'm just going to tell you about the wonderful T-shirt and I might post a picture if Jules is okay. This amazing T-shirt she's got on, it's got 2020 and it's got one star and it's got total crap, would not recommend. <laughs> it's the most magnificent shirt, Jules. Well, you know, I just wanted to wear it on my sleeve or yeah. across my chest. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's nice and comfy and quite, yes, quite warm and toasty. It is, it is, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Very good. I like that. Yeah. And I have a pink turban on my head that I bought um, <laughs> off an Instagram ad when I was in the bath late one night just to help one's hair dry. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we swear by them in my house. See, I've never gone into the turbans yes. before. And I have to say, it's very cold here in Sydney today and I've got it on my head still and it's providing me with quite a bit of warmth. Sartorial elegance. Yeah. Thank you, Joel. Thank you. I'm <laughs> going to keep it on while we do book clubs. So nothing like a random Instagram purchase. Well, let's talk about things that are far more important and that is this wonderful book. Now, this book, this book, Jules. Yes. I love this book. I love this book too. Oh. And I loved it even more because I revisited it because, Same. you know, I first read it a couple of years ago. Yeah. So seeing it again, oh. reading it again and deep diving into it oh, because we were going to talk about it. I just, oh yeah, reading it with depth this time, actually looking at the words, yes. thinking, thinking on it, I just loved it even more, much I more so. Too. I did too. It was instead of it being, I don't know why, it was, it, I guess before it was, a race to the end. Yeah. Not because I was under any time pressure particularly, but I just wanted to keep going with it because it was so easily consumed oh, because it was it? so beautifully written and and just, just it just flowed so well. Just flows. But I didn't sort of stop to think on a lot of the passages as I was reading them. But this time I did oh, and yeah. um there's so much depth there. It's just gorgeous. I know, I agree. And, and for me as well, second time reading it, the first mm. time I read it was By the Pool in Bali last year. So the book is very swollen. Or is the book I can't quite find at the moment. It's very swollen. Thanks, Dulls. Um, got a little bit of water on it, maybe a bit of cocktail. Um, <laughs> lucky you. Lucky me. But, uh, yeah, reading it for the second time was pure joy. Yeah. I, t- I, I picked up on so much more the second time. Yeah. And, and maybe not quite as many quotes highlighted as yourself because you are the master <laughs> of that, my friend. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I have to say that when I put um, put it online this week that we were going to talk about it, I was overwhelmed by people's response. I think yeah. I had, I've had so many comments as well as private messages, people just dying to, to for us to deep, to deep dive it, but also dying to share their beautiful experiences of it because it was one of those books that just warms your heart. Very relatable. Oh, but, so, but yet so sad and yes. so tragic, but yet so much warmth and hope. Yeah. And she's just, I think she's a character that's just oh, so, um, you know, everyone's met someone like her in the sense of perhaps someone that rubs you up the wrong way a little mm-hmm. bit, someone that's a bit too brusque in their manner or someone who 
drops clangers all the time yes, and yes, you yes. kind of, you know, <laughs> smirk a little bit or maybe you titter in nervousness because someone said something that was a little out of line. Yeah, a little She's odd. like that. She is. But the thing that makes her so likeable is that I think because the story is told in first person, you get a sense of her confusion mm. when she gets responses from people mm. she doesn't anticipate. Mm. So whereas in real life when we meet people like that, we just think they're being rude. <laughs> exactly right. And that's actually one of the biggest learnings from it, don't you think? Yeah. You know, the ability to walk in someone else's shoes, Yeah, I think. And I think so, that's so powerful. I think because we've got the, the background of her response to other people's responses to her rudeness, yes. if you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, it made me understand. I mean, somehow she was just incredibly likeable she was so likeable yeah i adored her yeah and in fact one of the comments that one of the uh, very kind um instagram commenters i'm just trying to find it i think it was jude no here we are um jude 300 310 she said that she actually missed she actually missed you know eleanor when the book finished yeah it was a bit like that wasn't it it was sad and i wanted more Yes, but I liked where it ended as well. Yes, and um, unfortunately we won't be talking about the yeah. ending. Um, there'll be no spoilers, <laughs> although we might be workshopping whether we might be going forward doing spoilers, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, and, in fact, I did do a bit of Googling because I, I did I did want to know what you know what possibly could happen and whether there was going to be a sequel. And, and Gail Honeyman, the author, has come out saying, nope, that's it. She's actually putting the characters to bed, definitely. Good. I that, think see that's okay. I like I like I sometimes just think that's what our society does at the moment. We want more, more, more. Yeah, I want more. And hundred percent, hundred percent, more and more. Totally. What I was about to say. Yeah. Sometimes you just can't. I knew have you it. were going to say that. I know. I know. <laughs> because I know. I, well, I just think that you know, the more you fiddle with something, if something is pure and beautiful. Let's just let it be. I, no, and I, I accept that. I accept that <laughs> argument, Jules. But I just, I did want to know, and obviously no spoilers, but whether there was any res- resolution to the relationship that's really, yeah, yeah, that the relationship that presents itself at the end of the book. But, but I, I, I did actually listen to, um, I did do, I listened to one interview, which was the BBC Radio 4 Book Club podcast with Gail Honeyman talking right. to them. And she did say that she had purposely ended the book with a relationship up in the air mm. and because she thought it was just too much. There was so much psychological distance covered by Eleanor as a character throughout yes. the book that she didn't feel it was particularly believable to go further. Yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So Because it is a very big journey. Eleanor yes. goes on a very big journey throughout this book, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, that's right. She absolutely does. So, look, before we get into it, let me just tell you some of the accolades that this book has achieved. So, for those of you who visited the UK... I love Costas. Costas is a bit like Gloria Jean's here on steroids. So, and they've got a very big annual book award. So this is the winner, Costas, the winner of the Costas Book Award in 2017, which is quite the, the achievement. Also for the British Book Awards, it was shortlisted for the Lucy Cavendish College Fiction Prize and various other UK uh, prizes. Um, it was also a Sunday Times bestseller in the UK and a New York Times bestseller in the US. And um, within about three days of it being released, Reese Witherspoon bought the option to make it into a movie. So, and I couldn't find when that's going to come out. Did you, in your no. deep diving, find anything? No, no. I didn't. I really mm. just deep dive into the book itself. Right, Dulce, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 all good, all good, all good. So that is something to look, to look out for. So, look, in summary, what's it about? So Eleanor Oliphant, she's a 30-year-old single lady living in Glasgow, Scotland, who could be described as a little odd or eccentric, and she has this simple planned life that she believes is completely fine. 
and she's completely oblivious to the to the ways others perceive her and is often as you said before a little bit confused by some of the responses that she gets she's strong and she's independent and she's experienced a, a whack of trauma um and but the book is very much about the healing power of kindness it um is is very much about how you know how she learns to live not just survive in summary my friends but look before we get into the story in its deep form i want to thank everyone who has sent their thoughts in and i don't normally list everyone but i'm going to do it today because everyone's gone out of their way so the comments i have received from the lovely lara fowler she has said a weird woman is eleanor but i love the book mandy says it's like a warm cup of tea a perfect read for this time Melissa Gyatza, a favourite of her book club. Maddie, about to start. Jen Kellaway, such a good read. Donna Patterson, I missed Eleanor when I finished the book. Carrie Ann, 1608, one of my top 10 adult fictions. Daisy So Crazy, Dale, hello Dale, highlighting the impact of small kindness. That's what this book's all about. Cottage Tales says it's an awesome read, one of my favourite books. Lauren 911, again, one of her favourite books. Ingrid Collins loved the book. Sophie SWV1, sorry if I've got that wrong, Sophie. Um, one of my favourite books, laughed out loud at myself more than once with myself. Sorry, Sophie, SVV. Um, uh, um, SZ Breden, one of my favourite reads. Katrina AC, my favourite book of 2020. I tell everyone to read it. Michelle Djokovic, the description of loneliness and being alone broke my heart. Loved the concept of being kind as you don't know what others are going through. Perfectly said, Michelle. Miss Craft Tea, didn't see the twist coming, loved it. And she also loved my Sarah's Garden mug too, which was in the photo. So thank you. Yes, my favorite mug, Miss Craft Tea. Parenting Tips, loved, loved this book. And Jude 300310, fab book, so well written. And Eleanor was such a unique and wonderful character. Just wondering how it would translate into a movie. So lots of responses, lots, Jules. Lots, People yeah. loved it. Yeah. People loved it. I think it. a lot of people have read it already. And, I know. Because uh, it's just, been out a couple of years and just, yeah, it just touches a lot of people. It does. It really, really has. Nice. Yeah. It really has. So Jules, Gail Honeyman, interesting author. Her first book. Great start. Unbelievable. <laughs> My God. I wonder if she's working on anything else because this was, I think, 2017 that it came out. Well, so look, interesting, interesting you might know. say yeah. that because I did actually do a deep dive on, yes. on the authors because, you know, that's my thing. Yeah. She says that uh, while she doesn't want to go into too much detail at this stage, she's working on a novel that moves between the 1940s and the present day with a male and female protagonist who are related to each other. Mm. It's set in London and Scotland. Okay. So she's it's underway, people. Not much to give us there. <laughs> no, quite vague. <laughs> Ooh, a male vague. protagonist and a female yes. protagonist. Who would have thought? <laughs> how unusual, how unusual. But it's so interesting. She's keeping because... it under her turban. What was that, sorry? Keeping it all under yeah, her turban. exactly right. <laughs> sort of slipping off a bit, actually. But look, um, she's interesting, though, Jules, because she, um, she doesn't share much about her life. And in one of the interviews I read... Um, she was very loath to even um, reply to the journalist and answer what her parents had done and where she grew up. She was a bit of a closed book, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but she did I did I did choose that she went after leaving her state school. Um, she went on to read French languages and literature at Glasgow University. And then thought she might uh, sort of, you know, enter the world of academia and she went to do a postgrad degree at Oxford but decided in her late 20s that that was not for her. 
So she went back to Glasgow and then she worked as a civil servant, which is very much a UK expression, isn't it? Yep. Public servant here. <laughs> and then um, and then in economic development and then as administrator for a university. But she had this pipe dream to be a writer. And it wasn't until the impending uh, celebration of her 40th birthday that she'd made the decision that it was now or never. So she joined a writing group, started producing short stories, and basically the, the rest is history. She wrote this book while she was working full time. Wow in her lunch breaks and in the evenings. And, um, so how old is she at that? So she would so be, she I think she was 42 40s? when yep. it was was initially okay, launched. so she'd be mid-40s. Yeah, mid-40s. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good on so I love that. Yeah, Don't absolutely. You? Never too late to I'm start. Never too late to start, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, and she says that she was inspired to write the book after reading a newspaper article about loneliness. And there was this one woman in the article who um, the article was focusing on who said that she wouldn't speak to another human all weekend from leaving work on Friday afternoon till Monday morning. And she wanted to talk about loneliness in the context of younger people. Now, this is probably 2015 when she started writing it. So a lot's changed because yep. it's 2020. We're now very much more honing in on that. Yes, absolutely. Particularly with COVID. Mm. You know, this is a novel really very much for COVID, Jules. Um, so that's why she wanted to really explore this, explore this, uh, explore this interview. Was there anything else when you watched that interview with her that was really interesting? And she also talked a lot about the fact that she thought that Eleanor, the way she wrote the character, is a result of nurture or a lack of nurture rather than nature. Yeah. So, you know, there's always that nurture-nature argument yes. in, in how people, you know, I guess develop throughout their years. But she was just sort of saying, you know, she has a very problematic relationship with her mother in the book um, and... Um, really it's the lack of nurture she received from her mother that has most formed who Eleanor is yeah. and the direction that Eleanor's taken with her life, I guess, in terms of withdrawing from oh, people. And, absolutely. Yeah. Not opening herself up. Yeah. So, Jules, just on that, do you want to just give us a bit of a detailed overview of the story? Um, well, I had, yeah, it was very, I, I did put a few little notes down on that. But Only a few? No. <laughs> I love the fact. Unless no, no, before no. we go it into the It was just a paragraph. No, it was just oh, a okay, paragraph. paragraph. Yeah, yeah, paragraph. Like, yeah. The rest is about other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Why don't you give us a bit more of a detailed overview for those yeah. of you who haven't read it? Now, again, there'll be no spoilers in this episode. Yeah. But we want to just fill in some gaps. Yeah. Well, I just said it was, you know, a deep dive. That the, basically, the book is a deep dive into the intricacies and the minutiae of the life of Eleanor Oliphant. Um, Plot-wise... Um, it's a look at the somewhat humdrum life of a young woman. I mean, yeah. she's yeah. 30 years old. She, really, we don't see her move beyond her normal sphere. She lives in the same place. She doesn't move around much. She goes to the corner shop so into the office. it's humdrum, and... you know, barely 30 years old. Uh, and it's examination of all the ways in which she hides behind her routines and the samenesses to avoid change and any revelation that may have led to her distinctly lonely and singular life. Yeah. Um, I thought the story was, it's about the unfolding story of how she makes her first real friend in life. Yeah, and how at the, the age kind, of nearly 30. Yeah, and how kindness and belonging help her to reassess and change her life such mm. that it becomes so much more yeah. um, a happy and sustainable existence, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of plot, we don't cover a lot of ground. It's all really, really pretty much the internal workings of... Um, 
I guess, the development of her own character yeah. is the plot. Absolutely. No, I know. totally agree. I totally agree. Um, I mean, there are a couple of key things, I suppose, that happen that sort of help her move forward. So I suppose, um, so she works in this office. Yes. And then um, and she lives this sort of humdrum life, very mm. routine. I, um, I So so let me just, so she starts work at 8.30, she, lunch she buys a newspaper, which she reads from cover to cover, yeah. and then she does the crossword every day. Yeah. And she finishes at she finishes at 5:30. She listens every night to the Archers, which I want, and then she makes a simple dinner, pasta and salad, one plate, one pan, watches TV, reads for a while, then's off to bed at 10. And her weekday routine only really changes on Wednesday when she talks with her mummy for 10 minutes. Yes. Yes. Um, which is an interesting an interesting aspect to the story. But so the Archers is mentioned a couple of times and obviously we are not in the UK. So I did a bit of a deep dive on the Archers, Jules. Yes, I didn't know what that was. Oh, is it like a radio show yes, or something, is it? It is yeah. the most intriguing thing. So the Archers Still, is actually even yeah, now. Yes, it just seems so I know. Let oddly. me tell you all about it. It Old started fashioned. in 1951, <laughs> yeah, and there are still episodes that can't being produced to this day. So it's a bit like Coronation Street over there, <laughs> yes. where people just can't let it go. They can't let it go. <laughs> it is the world's longest running drama. Wow! It has aired over 19,200 episodes. Um, initially, when it was released in 1951, it was billed as an everyday story of country folk, and now it's a contemporary drama in a rural setting. Oh, okay. I know, it's a radio show. Do you know what, what really struck me is that she, um, in the early pages, Eleanor is painted as someone, I, I couldn't quite get a grasp of what we were trying, what what um, Honeyman was trying to do in, with Eleanor. Are we trying to have her look like she's on the spectrum? Well, yes. Are we trying to see her as someone who's like oddly like an old lady? Yes. I mean, like those sorts of things. Yes. Like how many 30-year-olds would go home and... <laughs> Live such a regimented life. And yet we also have you know, quite an exposure in her, in her um, development to social media. Yes. So she's, she's up with some of the young people things. Yes. But there's so much that she has never seen no. or she has never touched no. upon and she has introduced to her for the first time at age 29, exactly. age 30. Like, for example, buying a mobile phone. Yes. Like yeah. That was almost like she was speaking a different language. She didn't have the, 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 the faintest idea where to start. Sorry. That's a good mobile phone. Yeah. That was a little buzz from one. But then she was right across... Um, you know, Twitter and yes, yes, and all the social yes. media things fairly quickly, which was she, a little odd, yeah, maybe. But she's quite bright, clearly, because she did a yeah. classics degree, so she can get up to speed with things quickly. But she yeah. has these incredible deficits, doesn't yes. she? Incredible yeah. deficits. Yeah. And actually, can we just talk quickly about the whole question of of whether she is on the autism spectrum? Because yeah. I don't know if you saw online. There's a lot of debate about is whether there? she may actually be on the autism spectrum yeah. and a lot of people initially thinking that yes she absolutely is and a lot of people who are on the autism spectrum have come out with various opinions about whether they think she is or she isn't but my take on it and I am by no means qualified no I'm no I expert either I have no expert, yeah. expertise at all but I think that and I think it's we can say that she has experienced significant trauma in her early life yes. but we won't go into the detail we won't spoil it but I think it's the trauma, like you said before, the nurture, mm. the lack of nurture plus the trauma that has created the Eleanor that we meet in the book. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, she does have some oddness and some yeah. eccentricities. Does she wraps herself very firmly in those routines. Oh, she like does. Those routines. But, you know, uh, one thing we actually haven't discussed in terms of the plot as well is that aside from all of these very um, 
strange kind of routine behaviours. One of them that is kind of a bit left field is her alcoholism. Yeah, yes, let's talk about that. Yeah. So that's one of so on her on the on the weekends when she finishes work on a Friday, she basically goes by the corner store. Yes. She buys two goes to Tesco's, I think. Yep. She goes to Tesco's mm. and buys her pizza, a little pizza wine and two big bottles of vodka for the weekend. Yep. The alcoholism is is quite the theme and it's yeah. very concerning. Yeah. I don't think I appreciated that just as much the first time. The second time I really picked up on that far more. I didn't realise the extent of it or maybe I didn't remember. Yeah. Yeah, so she, she's a big issue. She, and, and really what that's what she uses mm. to – I mean, it's interesting that she's she's not really an alcoholic, but she kind of is because it's, she, she goes all week without drinking mm. and then she gets to Friday night and because it's the weekend and because they're the two days, she's not going to speak to anybody or exactly. see anybody or have anything to do yes. with her time. There is no social interaction to fill that time. They're the, they're the days that she obliterates herself so that she ruins any memories she has. Her time slides by without her noticing. Exactly. And then she gets back to Monday morning Absolutely. and starts again. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's such a sad was, and... It was tragic. ...miserable kind of a... Tragic. ...you know, existence no. that, that she was... That she was living to start, so mm. yeah. But at the start of the book, she thinks that's all good. Yeah, she got it all down pat. She got yeah. it under control. She had yeah. a great routine. All is well. Yes, she's um, managing. She's, she's managing. She's her own entity, and she is completely fine. Completely fine. And that's actually what um, Honeyman was talking about in the podcast. That she said, really, the book is about all of the ways in which she is not completely she's fine. Not exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. And then, and then the plot develops a little bit when um, so she meets Raymond. Mm-hmm. She meets Raymond, who's an IT guy at her work. At yes. her work, yep. and um, he is. Quite a delightful. I think we all have a soft spot for Raymond. Yeah. He's just totally gorgeous. And um, and then she and Raymond uh, are in a situation where they come across a man who has, um, um, I suppose, a turn or a stroke or an, a, a health incident when they're walking down the street after work one day yes. called Sammy. And they both get involved in ringing the ambulance and helping Sammy and then they take a real interest in Sammy. And I think those... Raymond and Sammy play yeah. such an incredible role in Eleanor's journey. Don't that, you think? Yes, they're the two the reasons. Is, yeah, yeah, exactly. They're the two reasons behind the change in her life. Exactly really. right. Um, I mean, really, Sammy's um, turn on the street was a catalyst for pushing her towards making her first friend in Raymond. Yes. And um, yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, it's exactly how life does evolve. Life evolves in these erratic and random ways, it does. but. They weren't things that Eleanor had um, scheduled in. No, exactly right. <laughs> exactly. And perhaps she would have scheduled them in a lot sooner if she yeah. had known how good they were going to be. But they, but you know, the presence of these two men in her life has you know exposed her to a whole range of new things, things that for you or I are just normal everyday things yes so being exposed to sammy's family yes being exposed to meeting raymond's mother yes um just having a little bit of a sense of what it is to be a part of a family to be a member of a group or a Mm, clan to be expected somewhere to have someone who might call in on you and say do you want to come for tea this week um all of those kinds of elements of it are brand new as ideas they just blow her little mind never in her 30 years has she even come across these ideas or these thoughts and how sad that is so sad but it's also quite beautiful because it gives you uh, another lens on the things that we all do take for granted you know and what a lovely message Jules to be honest just just do a little bit of a COVID COVID tangent tangential plug at the stage 
but because I think 2020 needs to be about gratitude. It mm-hmm. needs to be about being grateful for what we have. And, you know, to be honest, when I was reading that, it actually made me very grateful that I have people I know that will call up at my door yeah. and that will ring me and that I will be included in things because, you know, that is, we are, we are so lucky really to be part of something and to have that sense of belonging because Eleanor clearly doesn't. Yeah. And at the moment, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity to celebrate that. Yeah. I really I've, do. I've written a little quote down. Um, she was attending... Um, Sammy's son's 40th birthday party and it was pretty much the first party she had ever been to Mm. at age 30 and she was on her own at this point and looking around the room and she says all of the people in the room seemed to take so much for granted that they would be invited to social events, that they would have friends and family to talk to, that they would fall in love, be loved in return, perhaps create a family of their own. How would I celebrate my own 40th birthday, I wondered. Oh. And yeah, it's just she's just such a a sad figure, but she's also quite the darling. She's I, quite I just the darling. I just you know I wanted to give her a cuddle. Oh. It made me want to nurture her. I agree. <laughs> I wanted to help her. I absolutely want. I know. I, I totally agree. I t- but she just so eloquently um, was able. She was so able to reflect so eloquently, I suppose, on her situation as well, wasn't she? She yeah. had enough insight. Actually, yes. almost realised what the deficit was, but didn't have quite the tools to be able to get there. Well, she hadn't ever seen the deficit, Never. but then exactly. she recognised it yes. once it was there for her to exactly to right. examine. Yeah. Exactly. So, in terms of the story, we might just leave it there to avoid any spoilers. But I think the only thing I would like to add to that, Jules, is that the book is divided into three parts because I think that might yes. give you a little bit of a flavour yes. for the structure. So, the first part is called Good Days. Yeah. Then it's called bad days, and then it's called better days. Yeah. So I suppose that will that gives you a bit of a, an indication of, of the journey that she goes on. Mm-hmm. Things do get worse before they get better. Yes. But um, let's. It's fair to say that I think Raymond and Sammy help help Eleanor, you know, go on a journey and um, help her perhaps workshop some of the trauma that she's experienced in her in her childhood life, and yep. um, and she starts to really develop as a person and starts to live, not just survive. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that's very fair. But, Jules, there's one thing I, I just have to talk about. And I started writing a list as I was reading the book about the vocab. <laughs> there are words in this book. And when I read it the first time, they clearly went over my head, which is embarrassing. Maybe it was the cocktails by the pool. <laughs> but there are a couple of words, Jules, which I have to say I have never seen before. Yeah. And you, I don't know, you may not have experience that because you know you really there was are some french some french <laughs> some french there okay. that i was thinking oh my goodness okay uh, i'm just gonna have to guess what that is okay um yeah there were a few, a few things um okay can i can i throw some yes, at you sure okay comestibles <laughs> with a c people do you know what that is isn't that just supplies yeah there we are yeah, there we are yeah. okay she's got it super quickly <laughs> i didn't know that one okay opposite so opposite with an a yeah do you know what that means? Oh, my God. Do you know that too? <laughs> the thing is, you're going to know all of these, Jules. I'm not sure I do know. I've never seen that before. Is it like the a the opposite of opposite? Exactly. Yeah. See? There we are. Yeah. Absolutely. There we go. Now, this is a really interesting one, but you'll get this one. I'm probably not going to say it correctly. Sibarit. Sibarit. Sibaritic? Well, it's actually known in that world. Sibarit. Sibarit is yes. luxury. There we go. See? Yeah, to be, to, I learned that one when I worked at Vogue magazine. Right. Because they were always talking about the Sibaritic fabrics oh, of silk and blah, blah, blah. And I'd go, Sibaritic? What the f? Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't know that one. And that was, and that was actually being used in the context of describing Laura, who was Sammy's daughter. Yes. Because she was quite the, quite the, yeah, she had lovely, yeah, Sibirish, lovely clothes. Sibarite? Sibarite, yes. Sibarite, fabulous. Yeah. I'll try and include that one in my vocab regularly. Okay, 
accretive. Accretive, would that just be accumulating? There we go. Yeah? There we go. <laughs> Gradual or incidental growth. Very good. Okay, so far you've got them all correct. Micturate. M-I-C-T-U-R-A-T-E. Micturate. No, I don't know that. It actually sounds very similar to its, its actual meaning. Urinate. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, yeah, I didn't know that No, at I all. didn't know that one either. No. Now, this one is... Now, had you given it to me in context, I probably would have... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's not fair me not giving it to you in context. Okay, gametes. Oh, the gametes. The gametes. There we are. Yeah. There we are. Gametes, are, it's, a, it's a biological term, yeah, there we isn't go. it? Yeah, for yeah, great. like something to do like, with the... Yeah, a sex organs, Jules. Yes. Sex, <laughs> sex cells, sex cells. Yeah, the gametes. Yeah, the gametes. Good. No, well, I didn't know that one. So you are going to get a certificate, my friend. You are very, very impressive. I didn't know any of those words prior to my... Um, I did look up sagacious. I didn't actually write that one down. Hmm. What does that mean? Um, that was wise. And, okay. Yeah. So and that would be S-A-G-A-C-I-O-U-S? No, S-A-G, sag- oh, okay. sagacious. S-A-G-A-C-I-O-U-S. Okay. I, I looked that up because I've... She, you had a lot of uh, this is the humor the yeah hu- we haven't spoken I know we've got to talk about the humor which I found like oh. I loved the tone I think some people I don't know I don't know if you have to be a certain mindset but everything was so kind of under yeah if you know what I mean underplayed and dry and dry and I love that. that too so I laughed a lot so did I again and again and yes. again um so, you know, the sagacious thing came because uh, one of the things I wrote down, you had a lot of tension in your scalp, she said sagaciously. This is when Eleanor is at um, Laura's um, hair salon mm. having, having a her makeover. hair done, having a makeover and um, having her hair cut. So she's having her scalp massage. You had a lot of tension in your scalp, she said sagaciously. I had no idea how to respond and opted for a smile, which serves me well on most occasions, not if it's something to do with death or illness, though. I know that now. <laughs> I know. Hilarious. Just Hilarious. little, little yeah. asides like yeah. that. You just go, oh, my I gosh. Know. That's Hilarious. just so well. I, just, you, I think she writes with an amazing comic timing. She does. From, in my certainly the way I read things. I agree. There's a rhythm to it. There's yeah. a rhythm to the delivery. Yeah. I could imagine if you said that the wrong way or wrote it the wrong way, it just probably wouldn't mm. elicit you know, the any, same response. any laughs. I agree. But I just found she just timed it so beautifully and used exactly the right amount of words I to agree. get it across. Yes, it's that rhythmic ability yeah. she has. And um, oh, I, I loved agree. those sorts of things. And they were on almost every page. Oh, they were. They were, they were. Even though it's such a sad story, I felt like there was probably at least something in every double page that made me chortle or maybe even just smile with you know, Riley or... I know. or or laugh out loud. You know? I couldn't agree more. Let me just read you one about Raymond. So Raymond yeah. is the IT guy who yes. is, becomes her first official friend. So this is when they were actually going to visit Sammy in the hospital and Raymond was waiting outside the hospital. So she said, he spotted me coming, stubbed out his cigarette, then ambled towards me. He was wearing a pair of denim trousers, which were slung unpleasantly low around the buttocks. <laughs> when his back was turned, I saw an unwelcome inch of underpant, a ghastly imperial purple, <laughs> and a white-coloured skin and freckles reminding me of a giraffe's hide. <laughs> I just love it. I just love it. She paints such unpretty Doesn't pictures. She? Doesn't she? Oh, I just loved it. And then there was another one. Sorry, I'm just on a roll here. This is when they were in the hospital previously, and there was, um, there was a note about um, not drinking the hand sanitizer. Oh, yes. Did people actually drink sanitising hand gel? I suppose they must, hence the sign. Part of me, a very small sliver, 
briefly considered dipping my head to taste a drop, purely because I'd been ordered not to. No, Eleanor, I told myself, curb your rebellious tendencies. Stick to tea, coffee and vodka. <laughs> She's just, oh, I love her. It's so endearing, isn't it? Yeah, it's just so endearing. It's She's, just so endearing. But that's what she does, I think, so well, is she does this, has this incredible balance between humour and tragedy. Yeah, Gail absolutely. just has got the most incredible ability to pull that off. Yeah. Because even in the most, I suppose, what it's saying, even in the most trying times with the most difficult of circumstances, you can always find humour. Yeah. I also love, there was another one where she, when she decided that she needed to, um, have a makeover oh, and yes, make, some, yes. make some physical changes to her appearance. Oh, I loved this. Because she was uh, – we didn't actually talk about no. the fact that she was actually trying to chase a musician. Yes, but let's just talk about that quickly. she had fallen a little bit in love with this guy that she had seen once um, and so she decided she had to have him. She was going to marry him in yes, fact, actually. Yeah. She had the whole life planned. Yeah. So she um, decided she needs to change her appearance because her Velcro-tabbed shoes aren't going to cut it and she dresses like an old lady as well. She Again, does. the whole old lady thing. Um, but she says, I decided to start from the outside and work my way in. That's what often happen- happens in nature, after all. The shedding of skin, rebirth. Animals, birds and insects can provide such useful insights. If I'm ever unsure as to the correct course of action, I'll think, what would a ferret do? Or how would a salamander respond to this situation? <laughs> Invariably, I find the right answer. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And can we just go on and explain? There are two sort of quite fabulous scenes in which she has her makeover. First of all, she actually goes and decides she needs to get a Brazilian wax. Oh, yeah. And, well, she doesn't quite know what she's getting, does no, she? she? She doesn't, doesn't understand the terminology. No. And they give her all the options and she decides she'd like a Hollywood. Yeah. Now, I don't quite know, Jules, the difference between a Hollywood and a Brazilian, but there's not a lot left. I don't either. No. But, yeah, yeah, it sounds bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was absolutely, <laughs> wasn't she mortified, but the way that was written was just yeah. gold. And then she decided a couple of weeks later to go and get a manicure. Yes, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And the young women working there, she thought, were just clearly just like the children that had been employed and she kept waiting for the... <laughs> the manicurist to return and <laughs> and at the end I think they ask her whether she would like to come back and get a loyalty card she said no I'll be able to do this at home for half the price with much better quality yeah. and then walks off <laughs> so funny yeah so funny so funny so funny so so the other thing that's interesting and I know we spoke about it before is this is this fanciful crush she has on this musician Johnny Lamond, who um, I think is an up-and-coming uh, muso that she sees at a concert that someone from work does take her to, which is, a again, once-in-a-lifetime yeah. experience for her. And she then um, quickly buys herself a, a phone and a computer, I think, mm-hmm. doesn't she? Yes. And quickly gets on, on, on Twitter and Instagram and uh, does deep dives into Johnny's life. She goes into stalker mode. She's a stalker. And yeah. she even goes to his house yes. and does a rub, like we used to do at kindergarten, we in kindergarten with leaves, of, of, of the little plaque outside his house. His door, the other yeah. plate in his door or mm, something. A bit yeah. concerning. Yeah, there was some – she was very um, – that whole – side of the book that whole sort of um, plot line made you appreciate just how um, she could be a 30 year old who was so developed in so many ways but she was so underdeveloped yes. she was essentially like a 12 or 13 year old with a crush exactly and right. it was like embarrassing and concerning to be honest reading it, it was very um, concerning and you know and yet she had no one to advise no. her because she didn't have a friend in the world she had no one to say what are you doing exactly if she had a girlfriend they'd be giving her you know yeah. a slap to the side of the head and saying you can't yeah. do Rattle that line, no you can't do that <laughs> 
So that was uh, that 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 is quite the journey that that relationship. But I think yeah. it's really interesting though the the role that social media plays in that I suppose mm. that romantic idealism. And had she not had access to social media, whether the crush would have had the opportunity to develop as much, I suppose. Um, you know, because what happens is she you know he, she, she monitors every one of his posts. She sees where he goes, who he spends his time with, and then she has a tremendous amount of information about his life and feels like she knows him. Mm. And um, but Gail Honeyman, I think uses uses like you know she puts little actual sort of twitter sort of messages and inserts like so the character of the of johnny Mm. lamond who is the that's the name of the musician she refers to him again and again solely as the musician i know she doesn't refer to him by name no so she's got that disconnect and she makes that disconnect work for her throughout the plot every time eleanor speaks of him he's the musician the only thing she ever learns about him are learnt via a computer yes. or via a phone. Yes. They're never, there's never a conversation. Never. There's, you know, she never learns anything about him in any way other than through a, a third party or some some mm. level of disconnect. Mm. And I think that really highlights that there is absolutely no connection. No, there's and, not. And that she's, you know, really just kind of off on some strange kind of frivolous Fantasy. Fantasy tangent she is. And she's got, as you said, she's got no one to pull her into line and just say, yeah. you know, Eleanor, you're out of line. This is ridiculous. Mm. Um, and, um, but I suppose. Well, she talks about it with mummy. Yeah, but uh, mummy but is by no means the role model. Mummy is really just encouraging her to yeah. hurry up and nail it down. Indeed, indeed she this is. This man is the project yeah. and hurry up with the project. Mm. So basically, you know, getting her married is her mother's version of the project. Mm-hmm. And um, we need to hurry up. And you're just a big loser, Eleanor, if you yeah. can't nail the man. Yeah, exactly right. And in, and actually the vocab can be even worse than the, the loser. The mother, mm. mother is not a very helpful role in, no. role model in her life at all. Not at all. Um, at all. But, um, but I, suppose, I suppose it just for me highlighted, I suppose, you know, in this digital age, how a lot of people can often, you know, get online, they do deep dives into people, whether it's via Insta, social, Insta Facebook or Twitter, and they feel like they have a connection with people. Yes. And, you know, that, that, that is actually very much, a, I suppose, a problem of our time. And I know that um, just with my cyber mum job, I, over the years, I have had some very inappropriate messages from people who feel like they know me mm-hmm. because of and I and I and I keep it pretty tight yeah. because of what I tweet, um, and they feel like they've got this 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 right to comment on my life and this right to this personal contact, mm. which which is is well, very social, I'm being on the receiving end yeah. of that is is very alarming and very social concerning. media. I think actually, you know, I guess in this respect, I hadn't thought of it until just now, but it does fit the loneliness theme of the book. It does because people think that they're making a connect with someone yeah. via social media. That isn't a true connect, of course, and um, and, and a lot of people will, you know, mm. go into chat rooms yeah. and whatever else and meet people, but really, it's not something real. And in some ways, until you've actually you made the friend outside of totally right, you know, the cyber world. Yeah, um, it's so so true. And yet, people will make the mistake of thinking, "Oh, I am that person's friend yeah. now," or "I do know that person." Absolutely, it gives you this full sense yes. of connection. And I know we actually did way back when I started doing the Grown Up Girls Report podcast. Did this great episode with Sarah Piper, fabulous psychologist about loneliness. Mm. And after in our thirty-five minute chat, we deduced that really that you know, social media, if it is used to facilitate in-person connection, it can be incredible. Yes, but it mm. actually can give you a very false sense of connection mm. which i think is a contributor to this loneliness epidemic i yeah. honestly do you know if you don't take that the next the level up and meet in person or i suppose in COVID times maybe you have a zoom call it's next best but but you know it, it can actually it can actually be very problematic mm. interesting now now jules have you heard about up i'm going to say it very slowly 
so you don't think I'm saying something that I'm not. <laughs> Have you heard about uplit? Hmm. Uplit. Uplit. <laughs> no? No. Okay, so uplit, Jules, is the, the cool, cool, groovy term for uplifting literature. Oh, okay. I was yeah. going to say, is it like chick lit? Yeah, 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 but uplit. Yeah, okay. And supposedly this book is... That, is, is this considered uplit? Yeah, this is the poster child for uplit. Really? Yeah, and let me tell you why. Because generally <laughs> uplit books... Please do. Yeah. They track quirky, offbeat protagonists on their journeys to creating a fulfilling web of relationships. And they also offer up a healthy dose of melancholy as well. It's all about everyday heroes, human connection and love. And people at the moment can't get enough of it. Now, this obviously was, to be honest, is about eight, re rewind about 18 months ago, but clearly even, even more relevant for our times. Yeah. But I had never heard of that term. No, I've not heard of no. it. No. Thought I'd just Do you think Gail that? Honeyman would want her book to be the poster child of... Well, if she sold that many copies, I think she'd be okay with it. Yeah? Yeah, because I think she probably just can re retire now and not need to do anything for the rest of her life. I feel like she would... Um, I don't know. You think she'd be insulted by that? No, not insulted, but just not want to fit into a category. Oh. But, but then... But then I, one, one thing she does say very regularly is that she thinks the, the overriding message of the book is all about kindness. Not all of us have any idea of the burdens other people carry and even the smallest acts can be completely transformational. Yeah. Which is uplifting. It's an uplifting message. Yes. So then maybe she's okay with the uplift thing. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she is. Yeah. I, would, I would hesitate to speak for her. No, and I, and I again, wouldn't want to either, but she... But, um, <laughs> Yeah. Do you know the other thing that I thought was um, that we haven't really touched on too much is the mother-daughter thing? Oh, let's talk about that. I know we can't talk too much about it because of spoilers, but there was, I, I think there were some really interesting um, revelations that Eleanor has throughout the book about how much am I like somebody because I am their daughter? Yes. And do I have to be the same as that? Yes. Can I be my own person? Um, That's definitely a massive part of her journey. Um, and and learning that, yeah, we, we can each be utter individuals and we're not necessarily bound to follow in any footsteps if we choose not to. Mm. Um, and she becomes, you know, I think deeply critical of her mother slowly but surely and of the 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 parenting that she didn't receive, didn't receive, essentially, from yeah. her mother. Mm. Um, and, you know, I thought towards the end of the book she um, is she becomes a pet owner for the first time. Oh, Glenn. Yes, Glenn is the name of her cat. And I just thought it was really lovely at the end. One of the, the quotes that I liked, you know, she says um, she, was, she attends a little bit of counselling towards the end of the book. And she says, sometimes after counselling sessions, I desperately wanted to buy vodka, but I never did. If it wasn't, if I, if, sorry, if I wasn't fit to, who would feed Glenn? Mm. She isn't able to take care of herself. She needs me. Glenn, by the way, is the, uh, it's a female cat, even though um, it's got a male name. Um, it isn't annoying, her need. It isn't a burden. It's a privilege. I'm responsible. I chose to put myself in a situation where I'm responsible. Wanting to look after her, a small, dependent, vulnerable creature, is innate. And I don't even have to think about it. It's like breathing for some people. Yeah. I thought that was so beautiful. Yeah. So I, I loved, I loved 
seeing that she had developed so much so that she is able to be outside of her own needs now, that she's looking after something else. She's recognising in herself how easy she finds that to do. Mm-hmm. She's enjoying that about yes. herself. And at the same time, she's making that making herself as completely different from her own upbringing, and, um, yep. which I thought was really gorgeous. Oh, it is. Um, that was, to me, one of the most healing parts of the book. Mm. When Glenn enters her life, mm. life just improves dramatically yeah. because she starts to really understand what it is to be a mother and to be needed, mm. and, and the fact she sees it as being a privilege. I just thought that was so, to me, that just made me really appreciate the journey she had been on and it was just a wonderful oh, it was a wonderful wonderful time I thought she just she she rose to that occasion yeah. didn't she and they, I mean plot plot wise these are such simple, simple. things but they're just so beautifully written mm. and dealt with by Honeyman that mm. I just they just become something so special and they're not dull no at all there was not there was not one moment in this book that was dull yeah and yet if I just told my own little story about getting a dog, everyone would go, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, great. But, you know, she just, uh, I don't She know. wrote that so beautifully. Yeah, it was just, uh, I really loved that. It's very just, transformational, that moment. It yeah. really was. It mm. really was. No, I thought it was beautiful. So, Jules, did you like the ending? I did. I really okay. did, actually. Yeah. yeah. It was enough for me. Good. You know, uh, without being too much. You know, I thought that she she just gave us a beautiful end yeah. without it without it being... Yeah, I, th- I thought she had a took a beautiful tone with it, and it ended exactly as it should. Yeah. I don't know; it wasn't some overblown Hollywood ending. It wasn't ending. overblown, actually, was it? And I no. think you know, you're right. I mean, I did want more, but I think that's me. I always want more. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to work on that. But you're right; it was it was perfect. We had enough. It was satisfying. Wasn't She's an it? understated it was character. She's an understated so character. So to have a fairly, um, you know, soft, gentle understated end mm. seemed fitting it was very it was fitting you're absolutely right you're absolutely right and jules and i think i already know the answer to this question but you know the big question is yes. does this book make you a better person i think it really does and i i wouldn't necessarily say that about many books because and you're a bit harsher than me and i mean that in the nicest possible yeah, way no, i am yeah. I'm, yeah i'm a bit of a harsh critic i i love lots of books mm. and i love reading them mm. and i love lots of various th- elements to each of them as I go through them but I wouldn't have said a lot of them are necessarily life-changing for mm. me mm. but this one is a beautiful book is, and if it? you really do examine its lessons on the way through I just thought it was just uh, yeah it really just a, there's a warm feeling I guess maybe it is uplit <laughs> uplit my friend uplit you say it very slowly though <laughs> so you don't throw it a little thing in there I suppose not that there's anything wrong with that, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, I think it does. I think it absolutely makes you a better person. It's such a beautiful reminder, I suppose, of the power of kindness and, and um, you know, having no idea of the burdens that other people shoulder and and how small acts, tiny everyday kindnesses can, can be so transformational for people. And I just think at the moment when there are so many people doing it so tough, you know, people in Victoria who are locked away and all the ensuing sense of isolation and loneliness yeah. and even people in New South Wales who are choosing to stay in and are feeling very disconnected. Mm. Oh, I think we all have a sense of trepidation about oh, what's coming do. our way totally. very soon I too. do, I totally agree. Yeah. So I suppose if there's an opportunity to scoop somebody up or to do yeah. something that you may think is only very small, it could just really just change their whole outlook. Yeah. Because I think everyone needs to feel like they belong. Well, small gestures. Oh, I mean, and I that's, know. you know, that was very, very um, 
very much there in the book throughout it was. as well. Like just small gestures that, you know, Eleanor would just sort of stop and think, oh, Like the things. cafe that her and Raymond used to go to yeah. with that gorgeous man whose wife was unwell. Yes. And he would bring a plate of truffles, which he would never charge them for when they yeah. used to deliver the coffee. And she was really taken back by that. Mm. But it used to really warm her day. And that, that was another example of a small kindness that really started to warm her heart yeah. and change her thinking. Yes, and I remember also the first time that um, Raymond, um, she and Raymond start to have regular lunch there together mm. and the first time she allowed Raymond to buy her lunch I mm. remember her saying she just glowed I know how nice to I have know. someone willingly buy something for me and just you know, know to have never ever done that I know. or had that I know it just seems so um sad it does oh. I know Jules I know, oh I know. we could go on people we I could know. go on and we're going to stop <laughs> we are going to stop we promise so look thank you everybody for for listening I if you haven't read this book because we haven't given any spoilers I and I know my friend yes, here Jules absolutely go we give for it two it. thumbs go, up go, go for read it. it in fact I put this at top of the top of your list out of everything that's going on at the moment it's it's pretty hard to beat it is pretty phenomenal so enjoy it um we absolutely loved it and thank you very much for listening and everybody our next book is going to be in two weeks time because remember we are now every two weeks we are trying to be a little bit more real so we're going to read A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Towels. Apologies if that is pronounced incorrectly or more. But um, it promises to be fabulous. And in fact, Camilla, who's married to Prince Charles, she put this down as her top isolation read. There, there you go. go. <laughs> <laughs> what an endorsement. <laughs> what an endorsement. So that'll be really great. So that'll be two weeks. And look, I bought mine on Amazon, actually, and I had mine delivered. And I am not on any commission, but I had mine delivered to my door within about two days. So it was very quick. So... So anyway, look, lots of love to everybody. If you are in Victoria, we are sending you all of our love. And if you are at home isolating anywhere in Australia or anywhere around the world, again, lots of love. We are thinking of you. We will get through this. Things are going to return to normal at some stage. Not sure when. New normals are okay yeah. too. What's that, sorry? <laughs> New normals are okay too New normals as long as we okay. still get to see people. I know, exactly. <laughs> and scoop people up. If there's someone you're worried about, whether it's a text message or a quick call or dropping a Diet Coke at their door, whatever works. Just small gestures. Small gestures, people. I think that's the message of the day. Yeah. Anyway, lots of love, everybody.